You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show today. I'm really excited for this one. Uh, after today, I think I can say my podcast has truly become international because today's guest is joining us all the way from Sydney, Australia. She's the head of entertainment for the Sydney Royal Easter Show. Linnell Smith, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be with you. So this is, it's super exciting for me uh, to have somebody international on my show. I'm sure the listeners want to know, just for reference, it's about 2.30 my time here in Albuquerque, New Mexico on Monday. What time is it uh, down there in Sydney? Uh, 7.30 a.m. on Tuesday, so I'm a day ahead. So you're like time traveling. So how does Tuesday look? Is it going to be good for us? or? Um, well, currently in Sydney, it looks very dreary. It's very wet. Um, hopefully, I, the lotto numbers will come up tonight, so maybe I can share those with you. <laughs> so you <can laughs> yeah, that, exactly. Tomorrow. Yes, it's like time travel. So, so you're getting some rain down there. We're actually sitting in the middle of a massive snowstorm here in Albuquerque. Uh, we're recording this here on, on uh, October the 26th. And there's about an inch of snow outside. So I'm now freezing and you're wet and dreary, but you're springtime down there in, uh, in Sydney. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. So currently we're, we're reaching roughly 32 degrees Celsius a day and then spring. So, which is, we're warming up, which is good. Yeah. So what's, what's with, of course, you know, we do everything backwards in the United States. What does that work out to somewhere in the, what the mid eighties or so, or mid eighties. Yes. Mid eighties. I'd take that over the snow right now. I'd trade you. So if someone was going to come visit Sydney and you were to recommend a few of the tourist spots to see, what would you recommend as far as tourist spots go? Um, so Sydney City, um, definitely the Harbour Bridge. Our Sydney Harbour is fantastic. Um, so you've got the Harbour Bridge, the Opera House. Um, you've got the rocks. Um, I'd highly recommend getting on a ferry and going and travelling across um, our Sydney Harbour over to um, Taronga Zoo, which is our famous zoo. Um, Sydney's got a lot to offer, but um, if you know we're, we're a food and wine precinct as well, so there's um, the Rocks is pretty good with um, if you want a few ales. Um, but yeah, we've got some beautiful restaurants all down on the waterfront. So that's good for tourist spots. But tell the real truth, spill the beans here. Where are the real places that the locals go? Ah, we've got a few little hidey holes. Um, I'd, I'd say there's some really nice um, wine bars that are down at the rocks itself. Um, they're very hidden. Um, but um, I'm a local girl, so I, I'm, I'm, you know, five minutes away from the beach. So I actually hit all the beach areas. So Bondi Beach, Coogee Beach right. is fantastic. Um, it's great, great seeing down, having a glass of wine and overlooking the water. It's brilliant. Now, it occurs to me with you being down under, a lot of our listeners here in the States may not be familiar with you. Um, give mm -hmm. us a quick background on who you are and how you came to be the head of entertainment for Sydney Royal Easter. Okay, so um, I, I'm an oldie. I've been involved in the events industry for a long, long time. Um, so I've been in the events industry for 48 years. So I um, started um, back competing as a horse equestrian rider. So my first Royal Easter show was when I was six years of age. So um, competed all my life until I was 18 and um, a job came up at the RAS um, to actually work in the horse section, processing all our, our events and our entries that we um, have out for our show. And then 
went along and um, became livestock manager. So I oversaw everything with legs. So that's all your animal competitions. So we had legs and then we had no legs sections. Um, but then um, I started getting the special events department, which was great. Um, but when we started to create our arena productions, um, the man from Snowy River, I transferred over into entertainment. And now I've been in entertainment now for 15 years, um, which is fantastic. It's, it's a great um, great department um, and um, I get to meet some very, very cool people. I get to hang out some with some very cool people as well. Um, but my show family is pretty strong. I bet. So now of all of the, of the concerts and entertainment that you've booked in there to the Royal Easter Show, is there um, a concert or artist that stands out above others as like your favorite? That's the one you've, you know, you really enjoyed the most. Okay. I've got two tops, one being national and one being international. So national would be our Man from Snowy River production. Um, so Man from Snowy River um, was a poem written by Banjo Patterson. We actually brought it to life. We had Brumbies galloping around and it was all about the Australian outback. But my international act would be Robosaurus. Um, we've had Robosaurus over here three times, but the, the last year that he was here, he was um, a bit of a bit of a headache because um, <laughs> coming coming over, he got held up at customs because um, at that time um, you had um, a, a mite in your dirt. So being Robo, being a um, being a vehicle, he did have a lot of dirt in his wheels and everything like that. So. Um, Australian government gave me three options. Number one was um, sending back. Number two, bury him at sea. Or number three was squash him up um, if we didn't come up. So we, the team got together and we, we um, and poor Mark Hayes, you know, who was the pilot at the time, I said, well, we're going to steam clean him. So we actually steam cleaned that robot. And I'm thinking, oh, all the electronics and everything. We got him here to the showground. We re-lubricated him up and press the button up he started but um it was a real tense seven days so wow Robosaurus is up there amongst so all of them. so he wasn't a headache for for how he he functioned at the fair it was it was the government and getting him in that was yeah. the problem yeah so we get wow. you you've got a nasty little mite over there in the states which we don't want here in australia so. oh okay <laughs> so, yeah. okay hold on a second <laughs> australia is going to complain about something nasty from another country like the air can kill you in Australia. Let's be honest about this. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no. So we've had some really great lineups and international lineups here. So, um, but uh, yeah, dear old Robo, um, loving dearly. Awesome. Uh, you know, I'm I'm glad I've got you on the show today because the whole purpose of doing this season of the Fair Game podcast is to tell the stories from around our industry. Um, of what's gone on during 2020 and how we've all had to deal with this pan pandemic. And I, I'm eager to get your perspective. I think here in the United States, and, and I say this lovingly of my country, we tend to be very egocentric as a society and not necessarily see what's going on outside of our borders and, and in other countries. Um, I know for us here in the United States, uh, March 11th is a date that really stands out because not only was that the date World Health declared this officially a global pan pandemic, but it was the date the Houston Livestock Show canceled just a few days into their event. Uh, and I think for a lot of us here in the States, that was the moment that was kind of eye-opening that we went, oh, this might be really serious. 
But you all in Sydney, as I recall, started kind of getting hit with this crisis a little bit earlier than that. Can you take us back to early in 2020 and talk about a little bit what, of what was going on around Sydney uh, around the pandemic as it got started? Well, I'd say it started around for us in mid-February. We knew something that was, you know, was coming to shore. Um, with it is, you know, we 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 had a board meeting and, um, you know, we said they, you know, our board said, look, there's something coming about. We need to, you know, reduce our expenditure in some way. So in middle of February, um, I was asked to review our um, entertainment programs to see where I could start saving budget because we just weren't too sure at that stage how many people would get through the gate at that time. So we started review, and I, that was my first lot of lot of plans. Um, and shortening up the program and but keep you know I, I had you know international acts coming over as well so um kept them coming through um then I, it was the 13th of 13th of march you know we had a meeting at and at 3 30 on the 13th of march we were told that the show was not going to go ahead um it took you know it, 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 it was just it's a real strange um feeling you know being told you know an event like i've been involved with this show for 34 years and trying to imagine that there was no show so that 13th when we got got that message at 3 30 um i was i was actually moved, i was actually relocated down on the main arena because that's where i move um for show time and um we quickly moved back up in the office my offside Brittany and i and we started to ring because Saturday the 14th was our first day of bumping. So at the show, I had um, stages arriving. I had um, inter uh, activations. I had 12 trains coming up from Melbourne. I had Mango and Dango's container sitting at the wharf cleared, ready to, to come here to Sydney, so to the showground. So we, with, for the next six hours that night, we had to start advising everybody, all our performers. Um, what, what was going on and unfortunately it was cancelled um, but you know you we it was a crisis you stood strong got through it you know that's 72 hours you know you pushed yourself because you had to make sure that everything was fine because as I said we were bumping in the following day had to make sure that we didn't forget anything um, I think when it really really hit home was the Tuesday the following week where we, we did everything and we just sat here and we went Wow, um, who, who would have thought um, you know, that was wrong? So then we you actually saw in the office people starting to crash and burn and there's a lot of tears and everything. And, you know, we, you know, and I, I was one of them. It's kind of like, um, wow, well, what are we going to do? I've never had an Easter. So as I said, I've been involved with the Easter show for 48 years as a competitor and, and um, now working there, it was really, really, really hard. But um, seeing all our staff, all our casuals getting put off, um, you know, they, they just joined the team and all of a sudden they were no longer with us. Um, yeah, so then I think it was on the April the 15th, our, uh, the RS was shut down. We were shut down until June, June 15. Um, so we had, you know, three months of... Yeah, down downtime, and I think that's when personally you you start going through dark times because you just you just don't know what what's going on. You know, you see all your friends that are all in the events industry. You know, they're all losing their work. We're all you know this this pandemic just crashed our our industry. 
Um, and, you, you know, you question your self-worth because it's kind of like, you know, this is what I do and, you know, my, my main job is here at thing. I'm a strategic person and, you know, if there was um, an issue, you know, I had to work around it to make push through that issue and then all of a sudden I, I, I couldn't control my, my direction because of yeah. the external factor that was causing it. Yeah. So it was a wake-up call. Yeah, wake I, you up. know, I think that what you kind of hit on a point there um, I know for us here in the United States, you talk about feeling like you were essentially like you were out of control. You guys, there was nothing you could do and you were being yeah. dictated to um, by your government, just like we were yeah. by ours for better or for worse. Um, and I think having been to Australia before for um, those people, folks listening, um, you know, Linnell talks about the international acts that were due to come in. Mango and Dango had their equipment there. Um, but she'd also gotten us booked, Sarah and I to bring Conjure fortune machine down for this year. And that literally we were working with the, um, the company, um, to get Conjure on a plane, like the next day or two days later. And I just remember thinking, man, you know, mango and dango stuff's already on a boat. What if I send my thing over there and then it gets canceled? Do I ever see Conjure get back to the United States? You know, all these thoughts. And when you, when you look back, you realize, you know, all the, the logistic thoughts are really minor, you know, for how people's lives were dramatically affected. And, you know, I was really hoping for a a while as we got into the beginning of March, maybe the first week of March or so. um, I was thinking, you know, I wonder if there's still a way they can pull this off. I mean, they're the Sydney Royal Easter show. They're the largest show of their kind in the Southern hemisphere. They're not just going to cancel that. And then Houston canceled on March 11th. And I went, Oh, if Houston can cancel. And then I told Sarah, I was kind of getting to the point where I said, Sarah and I were talking, it was, okay, so let's say they try and have it. What happens when we get into the country and then they lock down and we're stranded and we can't get out of the country or we can't get back into the United States. And then not all was settled on the, I think was the, was it the 13th that you guys sent? 13th, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you sent the email and it, it, um, it can't be easy to give that kind of bad news. I mean, in your heart, you know, it's not like you guys did anything wrong, but as you just kind of articulated it, it took a few days and then it just hit the Royal Easter show staff, like a ton of bricks. And all of a sudden you realize it's, it's gone. It's over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the whole, whole period of it, it's, it's, it's a grieving process. And that was brought to me um, with, um, from Marla, Marla, president of the um, IFE. Um, we, we've actually got um, fortnightly meetings with the shows that are being cancelled. Sorry, fairs are being cancelled. And you get to listen to everybody's stories. Um, myself, you know, one of the first ones, one of the first ones on the block and, and um, also the Miami State Fair. Like, I yeah. felt so sorry for him, you know, he was ready to open the doors at 9am and he had to shut them, you know, he couldn't open. Yep. Um, it's, a gr- it's a grieving process that you go through. That's the way um, you have to go through it. And um you're right. It's 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 okay, and I'm and I'll and I'll say I'm a pretty strong person, but it's okay to tear up. You know, it's it's okay to to cry, because um, it's it's emotional. It's it's you're involved in this industry, um, but then you, you're fine, and then you'll find there's a trigger point. There's a trigger point. So you know, three months later, when the borders were open, I was actually able to get up two containers from Melbourne, which had all my costumes. And all my theme sets that I had, because I actually had to stop that from coming up. I opened it up, and then I started to unpack this 
damn um, container and it had costumes in it and um, I started to cry and my forklift operator goes, did you hurt yourself? I said, no, no. I said, it's just another part of the process. You know, yeah. I designed these costumes. I had them made. I had them coloured. And I'm pulling them out and going, these were these beautiful costumes that are going to be under our hot air balloon in a feature piece of, of the production. So there's just little trigger points now and then. You, you, you think you're fine and you're coping. Um, like I walked down to the back of the grounds the other day and there's just something else that triggered and it's kind of like, oh, you silly Billy, you know. Um, it's it's um, it's okay, but there's just little things. It, it's a grieving process. I, you know, I'm, I'm glad you bring that up and that you address it as a, a process to grieve over. Um, yeah. I think... I, you know, I don't know a lot of Australians, but I feel like here in the U S um, we don't do a great job. I don't think with mental health. And yeah. I think we have a spirit in this country being as we were founded on fighting back that when all this things started going down, it was very easy for Americans to have a, not on my watch, we're going to fight back against this kind of attitude. And I think a lot of people in this country could be doing better if they were addressing this as a grieving process and allowing things to happen. Um, I know for me, it just felt like constant disappointment. And yeah. as the dominoes fell and the contracts one by one went away, I'm looking at, you know, where we were economically um, for mm-hmm. our business and for our, for Sarah and I, for our household. I mean, last this past summer was going to be, you know, a big summer for us and that she was going to be able to come out on the road with me and, and do the Australia run and do, and all of that went away. And um, I don't think until you mentioned it, I really thought about it as a grieving process, but looking back, it's exactly what it's been. I, I managed to get one fair in this year, um, the business managed to do. And I, I just remember loading for it and thinking about, you know, how nice it felt and what a relief it was to be loading up a truck again to drive across the country. Yeah. And uh, um, yeah, I think we, we really need to open ourselves up to the fact that this is a grieving process and it's okay if you need to take a minute and, uh, you know, kind of go own it um, yeah. and like get emotional over it for a few minutes. We, all of us work really hard in this industry. And I mean, I, I work hard one fair at a time. You guys yeah. spend a year working really hard for one fair and that's yeah. for all that to go away it's got to just be crushing. Yeah. And I think we're, you know, we're all, uh, all, you know, we're all passionate about what we do, you know? So, um, you know, here I'm actually working, like I had the 2020 show locked and load. I was actually working on the 2021 show at the same time and also the 2022. So it's kind of like everything just fell came into a heap and it's just kind of going, well, you know, we have a 2021 show. You know, will the pandemic still be around? You know, will there be a vaccination for it? It's, it's interesting, you know, the, the process that we're going through now is trying to, you know, what kind of show can we present next year? Right. You know, um, now, do you guys, day. do you all only produce the show or do you have year-round events? We have year-round events. Um, so uh, we've got many arms to our business. So the Royal Agricultural Society of New South Wales is our, our mothership, so to speak. Then underneath it, we've got our Sydney Showground. Um, so Sydney Showground does all our exhibitions, our trade shows. Um, so with it, you know, with um, yeah, exhibitions, the trade shows, community events, concerts, food, 
um, food and wine shows. We're actually at a home ground for a couple of sports as well. So we're home of the AFL Giants. Um, it's uh, we call it it's it's football, but we call it aerial ping pong, so to speak. But yeah. Australian Football League, and that was the five grand final was run last last week. Um, but you know we've also home for soccer um, as well, and um, so and we're home for the um, cricket too. So we our Sydney Showground, we've got a lot of businesses, but that's all come to a screaming halt. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Is that because you know here in the United States, there's a a number. I I would have to ask Marla; she would have a better idea of fairs that they do the fair, and that's that. But I. Th- my feeling is the majority of them, yes, they do the fair, but they have, you know, RV and boat shows and, yeah. and they rent out for high school graduations or proms or gun shows or whatever it is. Um, all of those in, in Sydney have been dead halt as well. Right. Cause a lot of them in the United States are, are just stopped dead. Like these fairgrounds are, are being bled dry and they're, you know, yeah. they're not in good shape. But I, I just looked at some stats this morning. Um, our economy is, was set to lose over $35 billion over the next 12 months as COVID shuts down gatherings across Australia. Nearly all business events, which is 96%, have, that was scheduled for 2020, have been cancelled and postponed. But on top of that, there is a further $17.2 billion in direct value to the economy, which has been wiped out, and more than 92,000 jobs were lost. Yeah, that's outstanding when you look at that. And, you know, so it really goes to show that the pandemic has really de- devastated the events industry in Australia. So it's not only fairs, it's all your businesses and all your conferences as well. Sure. When you look at those stats, you go, crikeys, it's it, it's the pandemic's done some damage big time. Yeah. And and I think when you look at the, the people that it, it impacts, I don't know how you guys run things necessarily economically and, you know, around healthcare and whatnot in Australia. But, you know, here in the United States, so many of us that um, are, we're classified as independent contractors under our tax law. And, you know, for the most part, um, this is it. You know, we don't have um, uh, parent companies or whatnot that can keep paying or, or like yep. if we don't work this, we either work or we don't eat or we don't pay our mortgages and yep. um, the millions and millions of of jobs that have been lost here in the United States, I think many won't come back. And I think we're looking at potentially hundreds of thousands of businesses and not just, you know, entertainers, um, but, you know, mom and pop restaurants, you know, that here in the United States, politically, they want to make a big deal out of saying, oh, you know, uh, the billionaires like Jeff Bezos have gone up, have made so much money during the pandemic. Well, yeah, when you're telling us not to leave our homes and we can't go to the grocery store, we're going to go to Amazon. Yep, that's true. That's very true. You know, um, now down with Sydney, have people been able to um, to start going back to work? What is open? Kind of what's the status of the city right now? So so currently um, in New South Wales, the borders are still shut to us. We, we can't travel. Gold Coast, yeah, we can't travel into Queensland, um, Victoria, we can't go there. Um, unfortunately, it's still rampant down there. We, I think we only have one new case overnight. You know, so in New South Wales, we're going pretty strong with with COVID. Um, our Premier Gladys Berejiklian has done a fantastic job with what she's done here. She she got on top of it and smart. So we've been opened up. For, our businesses have been opened up. You know, our cafes and stuff, but we've got restrictions. 
you know, we still have to stand 1.5 metres apart. If you go on public transport, you have to wear your face masks. Everything's still running. Um, here um, at the RES, we're, we're still on stand down. Um, we're we're um, working one day a week. Um, uh, we, we've, you know, the government's been pretty good. They gave us um, a job keeper, um, which actually um, was a, a grant that was given to businesses to keep the companies going. Because um, right. we've got no revenue coming in and we've gone through all our money. So with it is, um, we, we, the government, get, we, I think we're currently on every fortnight, we get $1,200, um, so which, which is good to, to help the RS keep everybody in their roles here at the RAS. But with okay. that, you have to work one or two days a week um, for, for that money to get you out know, to walk towards the show next year. So that's been good. But um, we're, we're open for business, you know, um, on Sunday, so last Saturday, we had a grand final of AFL up in Queensland. I think they had 50,000 people to event. This last Sunday, I'm here at um, the stadium just across the road. We had the grand final of the National Rugby League. They had 40,000 to the event. Um, wow. But, you know, you, know you, you, you wear your masks. That's, you know, so it's not mandatory to wear masks, but they ask you to wear masks. Um, and, um, yeah, so we're opening, but, you know, um, we're shut down. I can't, we can't travel internationally until potentially April next year, if we're lucky, yeah. you know, we're, yeah. we're stuck down on our little, you know, I'll call us a little island, you know, down under, but, um, yeah, we, we can't go anywhere. We, you know, currently we're just stuck in New South Wales. Um, slowly the other borders to the other states lifting. But um, some of the other premiers in the other states have set these guidelines where they want, you know, New South Wales to be 45 days um, straight with no no COVID cases, which is a little bit a little bit hard to do. Sure. Now, are you guys allowing? Is there international travel coming into the country, or um, there is? There are some planes coming in, but it's mainly Australians returning home. Got it. Um, you know, for it. Um, um, but there are international students that are starting to, f- to fly in because the, for the uni, uni sure. side. But it's a small, I mean, you're obviously your tour, people aren't just hopping on planes out of Los Angeles and coming by the plane pool to come visit. No, no, not at all. We're, we're shut down. That's interesting. It's, and is that, that's by order of your, your provincial government or the federal government down there? Federal, federal government. So yeah, um, we just, yeah, can't. Uh, it's only essential travel, um, but, you know, to come here, so just say if you are to come over here to business, you know, come to Sydney, you'd come in here and you'd actually have to do two weeks quarantine in a hotel. Yeah. Before you could come and meet with me and then, you know, do a couple of days of business and you fly home, I'd say you'd have to be quarantining at home. Yeah. So you're, thir- you're a month of your life out for a, a two day yeah. convention yeah. or a two. Yeah. Wow. So I was hoping that, you know, um, at the beginning of the year, I bought my tickets to the IFE Conference and Trade Fair in December. Right. You know, so right. Jeff and I have gone, yes, we're going, you know, that, that was our light at the end of our tunnel, you know, thinking, okay, things should be cleared up. We can get over, you know, because we love the States. We, we really do. But then, you know, we got told, no, sorry, no overseas travel. So you kind of go, mm, okay, right, you know, surely we'll be okay. You know, just that. Hopefully we can get there at December. We'll be okay. No, um, it would prime minister shut us down till March 2021. So there, there goes the trip. So unfortunately, because I was just hoping to 
get over there and catch up with everybody and see how everybody's doing. Because, you know, yeah. as you know, our, our and I call it the show family, um, our industry, we're very close and we're, you know, people on the outside don't really know what we do, really. They don't understand our show industry, our fair industry. Yeah, It's kind of like, you'll be right. Well, no, actually, not right. It's, it's um, we, we, we've shut down and, and all our performers, you know, everybody, you know, that works with me in entertainment, I, you know, you're part of my family. And it's just kind of like reaching out and making sure that everybody's okay. So, yeah. Yeah, it's um, I we've talked about that with a couple of the other guests so far that I've recorded with um, just how important are our fairgrounds around the states. And I'm sure it is the same in Sydney. How much of an impact our fairgrounds have on our communities? Um, and I think here in the states, a lot of people see, you know, the fair is, you know, 10 days of the year and then they don't really think about it any other time of the year. But, you know, when you look down in uh, fairs, you know, fairgrounds along the Gulf coast and for sure in Florida, you know, they're regularly used for FEMA, you know, disaster relief and, and hurricane relief. They've got, you know, all the linesmen trucks that go out and repair the electricity, electric lines and all that. They're used as staging areas and talk, if you will, a little bit about how much of an impact, not only financially, but you know, how far reaching is the impact for your grounds and your event in your community? In the way it's affected us? Well, I mean, I guess with the, you know, does your community, um, it, you have a lot more than just the fair going on. Does your community yep. understand how vital uh, the Royal Easter Show and that grounds is to the success of Sydney at large? Because in a lot of places in the United States, they just see a 10-day fair or a five-day fair and that's it. They don't realize just how important it is. No, it's, it's, it's really, we're, we're very supportive, like our state government, um, they're pushing for us to, you know, to have the show next year because, you know, it was, um, you know, the, the economy's just been hit with our tourism, so to speak, because we've got no tourists coming in. Um, but, you know, with it is our, our health status, New South Wales Health is governing, you know, what we can do and what we can't do. So um, the community understands and, look, we understand about, you know, the health side of things as well. Um, it's, um, yeah, we're Sydney Showgrounds are just not the Royalist home of the Royalist to show where, you know, cricket, football, as I said before, all our, um, all our sports codes as well. So it's, um, yeah, it's, I, I think everybody's itching to, to get back to it, but, um, we've got For so sure. many restrictions. Um, were you all, through. were you all able to pivot in any way, um, and do, um, like here in the States, some of the fairs were able to do like uh, a fair food drive-through or a farmer's market drive-through. They didn't generate a lot of revenue. Um, in some, I guess in some cases they did, but some not so much. Were you able to do anything like that or is it they shut you down and that was it? We're shut down. So I think three weeks ago we had our first expo, which was the wedding expo here. Okay. So it was our first trade show back. Um, you know, we're, we're classed as a COVID safe venue. Um, and we've got our pro, you know, we've got our guidelines that we have to fill in. So we, that was really our test pilot to see how, how we're going to go, um, you know, with opening back the venue back up. Um, you know, I, I need to congratulate on all the fairs, you know, as I said to Marla, you know, on, through our little talks, um, Zoom meetings, um, the fairs that are coming up with these concepts, you know, uh, um, and as Marla said, you know, 
out of crisis comes creativity. And to sure. write that, that is that is so true, so true. And to see some of these fairs and what they're coming up with, you know, with virtual fairs, but, you know, the food and flicks and, and different events, which is, which is fantastic. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to do that because, you know, budgets are really, 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 really tight. Absolutely. Um, we starting cricket, I think, starting here in a couple of weeks' time, women's cricket, which is good. But, you know, I've now gone out to um, uh, our little amphitheatre, which is a nice little 1,500 seats. I've gone out to end of year dance schools so they can have their dance showcases here because, unfortunately, they can't go to other venues um, because of the tight restrictions um, of having events. So here I've got a nice little 1,500 um, seat venue which I can fit fit out for 50% capacity. So we've got quite a few of these little dance schools coming here and the end of showcases. You know, it's a, not a huge money earner, but it's it's ticking on. It's it's some money regenerating um, what's coming in, but it's also getting us into processes, what, how, what we need to do um, to be COVID safe and start prepping for events, you know, so we're working towards the Royalist to show. Yeah, that kind of segues to the next question with 2020, um the show being canceled in April, we're now just about five months or so away from your 21 show. How, when you're only, I mean, you know, the, the massive amount of work that goes into planning one of those, how do you plan that when you're only in one or two days a week? I mean, how do you adjust for that in the middle of a health crisis like this? It's, it's pretty interesting. We had four different models to go through. Um, I, I, I'm a workaholic. Um, so I've, I've been doing more than my two days in the office. I do a lot of work at home because when we get the green light on the 1st of December, you know, what model we're going to go with, I need to, to be able to hit the floor running, so to speak. Um, but unfortunately, you know, with this model, it's, um, it's a restricted event. You know, um, I, I, you know, we were only allowed to have 50,000 people through the gate at one time. And, and for the listeners, um, Sydney Royals shows is a large fair down here um so with it is you know fifty thousand people through a day is usually one of our quiet days yeah so we're going to have you know we're doing a 12 guys, day program what's your typical 12 day attendance are you running a million um no we're nine hundred eighty thousand. um we haven't hit a million for a while now um right. but I, i'd say 2022 which is our 200 year anniversary i'd say we'll hit over the million well, and I think, I think you're right on that, especially if you get COVID clear, you do this, you yeah. do kind of your test run in 21, you make sure everything's COVID safe. Hopefully by the end of 21, everything's clear. I think people are going to be hot to get back out and be with their families and go do normal events again, go to the movie theater, go to baseball and football games and go do things. And I think our industry for those that can get through this, will see a massive, massive attendance boom in 22. Very true, but you know we have to also think about our brand for 2020. We, you know, we're, we're a strong brand, but if we're reducing it to, um, you know, reducing it as a restricted show, and we don't have a lot of offerings like we normally do, how is that going to damage our brand? That's so. That's one thing that we're looking at present is how do we put on on a show? It's not just going to be as our normal big Sydney Royalist show, but we're putting on an event but we have to be very mindful of our brand and what we're presenting because, you know, potentially we could turn people away from 2022, which is our 200 year anniversary. I think so, that's, I think it's how you message it and how you yeah. frame it to the public. And I think 
I don't know how it is with people in Australia, but I think with Americans, uh, my my thing is, if you just don't bullshit them, if you just tell them straight, this is what we're going to do and we're going to make the best of it because that's what Sydney does. I think they will have buy-in for 22 as long as they don't feel like they're getting raked over the coals and you're still going, oh no, you still have to spend however much on a ticket, but we're going to give you 40%, 50% less. Um, If they feel like you're putting in the effort for them and you're being straightforward with them, I think it will pay off in 22. Yeah. I I, I say it will too, but yeah, no, it's some, so it's, it's interesting. So if when we, if, you know, when we get the green light and what kind of green light that we go, I've got four models um, we, we can start and, and it's going to be tight. And, you know, we've got 12 months to run a show together, but, um, you know, we, we've got really two months to, to get it going. You know, you can't say you can't do it because we all, we all suck it up, you know, and as, right. a, as the saying is, suck it up, princess, get on with it. And, you know, that's, you know, you, you have to remind yourself and you, you'll get through it and you'll present the show because, you know, um, we, you want the show to, to happen, but um, it's going to, it'll be, it's going to be a very tight turnaround. Yeah. So obviously the pandemic has had a devastating impact on our entire industry and for sure on the Royal Easter show, but what about you personally? How are you holding up through 2020? If you asked me that question, April, May, I wasn't doing too, too good at all. Cause it, it, it's just cause, cause my world to me, and I don't mean to sound selfish. My, my, my world just crumbled. And it was it was hard, um, but you know you have to be strong for your family. Get through it. You know, my daughter's twenty two. This is her last year at university. You know, um, for her last year, you know she she's done everything online. So it was just a little you know trying to push her through it. You know, and keep the household household going. Um, but you know, it, um, you know, it's good. Family will kick you up the butt, so to speak, and say get on with it. It's it's not all doom and gloom. Um, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, you get your fitness on and we'll walk it because we, we were allowed to exercise. So I could walk along the coastline and everything. And um, and you start building through it. But it's also talking through, as I mentioned before, these IFE Zoom meetings um, and talking to others and listen to what they're going through. You know, um, I'm not, not the only one. Everybody's going through the same thing. But um, our show family or our fair family, has been strong and we've been there for each other. You know, um, I've been talking to quite a few people over in the US, you know, they, they, you know, they've, you know, late at night, they don't have anybody to talk to. I said, hey, I'm on the other side of the world. It's two o'clock in the afternoon. If you need to, someone just to shoot the breeze with, just ring. And like, I've spoken to a few people that way and it's kind of like, it's okay. Don't, don't worry. We're, we've all teared up. It's, it's fine. But I think what we've got out of our industry is that we're so close knit um and we're there to help each other and support each other so um yeah going going good um yeah i'm working for another company as well you know because like you mortgages <laughs> um to pay and isn't that funny they, the they told everybody you don't need to make money but you still need to pay the money <laughs> yeah so it's kind of like you still have to put food on the table so you know you you know i've you know, I was doing picking and packing, you know, that was one of the things I volunteered for it because I need to get myself out of the house. So, you know, Food Bank Australia, fantastic charity, but um, got out there and started to do that. But now I've been offered, a, you know, working with another um, ACES group, which is um, involved with venue operations side of things and customer service. So I'm work, working there as well. So I'm still involved in events, which is which is good, you know, um, and I'm running, starting to run into 
my show family at different events and it's it's good to see how everybody is but um um, to, to get, you know, to go back to your original question is kind of like um, I was, yeah, down the dumps, but you kind of like every every two weeks I, we did a Zoom call to my different entertainers just to check on, see how they're going. You know, um, it's okay on the phone when someone says, yeah, I'm okay, but damn with this Zoom, seeing a picture, you can actually see you're talking to someone face-to-face and say, hey, you going okay? Yeah. You know, is there anything we can help you with? So, um yeah, you know, in these times, we need to stay stay close and look after each other. Yep. There are several fair managers that have, have reached out to me this year, even fairs that I haven't worked for. But, you know, I know the, the manager we've, you know, we, maybe we've gone to dinner at a convention or, you know, been on the bowling team at the bowling tournament or something. And, um, you know, one of the first fair managers to reach out to me when all this started was um, Courtney Conkle, who's the head up at Wyoming State Fair now. Um, and even though I hadn't worked for her fair at any spot that she's been at yet, I want to say that was middle of April, maybe. And I can't even express how much that meant to me that someone would reach out and say, Hey, you know, in her words, it was something to the effect of, and I'm paraphrasing, but you know, the big fairs are going to be okay. The little fairs are going to figure out a way mostly to work through this and, and, you know, fairs have real close relationships with their concessionaires and with their ride operator people but it's really easy to overlook the entertainment yeah and not necessarily reach out to them and and so that's why she had she messaged me and we chatted for a bit and I think it continues to be more important than ever that we reach out to each other and that's part of the reason we wanted to do this this podcast um you know we had talked about back in the beginning of the year doing a second season of the podcast and we had decided we were going to wait until after your show we were going to get done with australia because i mean obviously first time doing an international act there's a lot to it and making sure we deliver a solid product for you and then when everything fell apart it was like you know this might not be the best time to call and ask people how they're doing with fairs because i think the answer is the same for everybody everybody felt like garbage and everybody was afraid and everybody was heartbroken and now that this has kind of gone through this year and especially over the last, you know, couple of weeks since Marla and, and company at IFE had to pull the plug on that. Um, I think it's a good time to start, you know, yeah. here in, in the United States with us getting all into our holiday season, there's, I think there's going to be more reminders for people of that might trigger some sadness. Um, yeah. You know, think about IFE there it's maybe a silver lining but it might also be a reminder that of things that could have been they actually get to be at home with their families on thanksgiving this year that's true that's very true you know and and steve and marla and kate and everybody they're always in las vegas or san antonio or on the road too and setting up and they sacrifice thanksgiving with their families every year and this year they get to be there and i think that's kind of a blessing but i also think it's kind of a it might be a little you know, a little sore spot for them when they're going, we really should have been in San Antonio. So for anybody listening, um, you know, pick up the phone, call a friend, call a fellow performer, call a concessionaire, call a fair manager, just check in because the one thing, I don't know how the media is down there, but the one thing they don't talk about here in the United States is uh, potential deaths of despair and loss from despair from, either from drug and alcohol abuse or just straight up suicide um, because of the losses that people are facing. And 
I'd read an article earlier in the summer that they were estimating somewhere between, I want to say it was between 75 and 100,000 additional deaths um, just in the United States alone from potential deaths of despair. And yeah. I, I think it's a, a thing. I don't know. Again, I, how do they talk about that in Australia? Are they, are, how do you guys approach mental health? I guess is the question. We're, we're pretty um, strong with mental health um, and our, you know, we've got Beyond Blue, you know, we've got Men's Health and we've all, you know, um, Lifeline such. But, you know, through this through this period, you know, um, I lost, you know, our event industry, um, we, we lost two roadies. And these are gentlemen that have been, I've known them since 1986, you know. Um, their job is a roadie to push, you know, um, yeah, hanging trusses and things like that. Yep. Um, it was doom and gloom for them because you know they had had no family and everything like that. And then you find out that that they you know lost lost their lives to to it because once again it's just self worth. Um, you know they've got nothing. They had nothing, and all that they could do was you know what they were really good at setting up and pushing a road case from one end of the showground to another or to into a hall and stuff. Right. And when you when you hear that and you kind of like go, wow, like I only see these people, you know, they're part of my family for 21 days for the show. And but every year they're here and everything. And to 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 hear that, um, yeah, they just they yeah, it they, it got to them. It got to them. You know, the, when we call it the black dog, the black dog got to them, unfortunately. Mm. And um, so I think that's really made us aware in our events industry to say, hey reach out to everybody and say, is everybody going okay? You know, my door, my house is always open. If you if you need a feed or a chat, you're more than welcome. There's always a spot on the, you know, the kitchen table yeah. for you. Um, and, yeah. Well, and you never know which one phone call you're going to make that you find out five years later that had you not made it, that person was, yeah. was going to be done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it can be a dark time for all of us when all of a sudden, you know, our livelihoods and the, the yeah. thing is ticking. Um, I mean, it's easy. I don't want to say it's easy for anybody in this way, but it's easy to say, well, just, you know, go find another job. Well, what job am I going to find right now? I've been an entertainer for 25 years. I don't, could I go work at at Target or Best Buy or the grocery store if I had to? And that was, that was, I had no choice. I could do that, but I don't, I don't know how long I would last. I mean, it's when, when you're built like I am to create or like you are to create you're not an entertainer per se but you create an experience for people and when all of a sudden you tell that person yeah you can't do that anymore the government comes in and says nope turn the lights off you're done what do we do yeah how do we move forward with that yeah it's it's a hard one and and also I'm not you know you're not as young as you used to be Thank you. Know, you. With, Thank uh, you for reminding me about that. I'm sorry. Well, I, I realized that, you know, at, at, at being a picker and packer, you know, it was a thing that I did voluntary, but it was kind of damn lifting, lifting things. And it's, and it's, it, it's, it's the, the body, but you know, you have to do things to, to keep your mind active yeah. as such, um, you know, and, and trying to, trying to be a bit creative with some stuff that you can do, but, um, it's hard now. Went for I went for a couple of jobs, and they went, "Oh, you're too overqualified." It was kind of like, you know, <laughs> I need to put food on the table, mate. You're you know? this isn't this isn't rocket science. I just need a spot for like six months or something. Yeah, 
yeah, that, wow. that's all. So um, it's it's and but then you hear the same story over and over and over and over again in our events industry kind of thing. So um, yeah, but um, slowly things are coming back. You know, um, three weeks ago I went to my first event, which was the Van Gogh installation, um, which is an immersive um, um, interactive show so all they had 27 big screens and all van gogh's um artwork came to life and number one it was i was going to an event wow this is going to be this is so exciting yes i had my mask and go in there but then to go in and and um look at artwork but then go into the main center and you could just sit there and be embraced with the artwork and the digital you know the screens and the artwork come to life and and the beautiful music, the soundtrack that went behind it, you know, um, Van Gogh's beautiful cherry blossom painting that he's got. Cherry blossoms were coming to life and they were falling down on top of us. So it's kind of like this was this is the kick, you know. It's kind of like creativity. It's kind of like okay, this is what we need. You know, it, it's we're starting to roll back into it. But um, yeah, it's it's it, it's hard. <laughs> it's it's hard. It's it's a crazy time, as we've all said. Oh, you know? for sure. And, and I think we kind of underestimate sometimes um, just how important events and socializing and comedy and entertainment, how much they impact all of our lives. I remember um, I, I was in college. It was my last semester of college, uni, as you guys would call it, yeah. um, when September 11th happened in 2001. And I remember after that, thinking you know people were talking like when is it okay for you know the late show host to start cracking jokes again when is it okay to go out and feel okay and about yourself again and um to go to an event to go to a movie theater and not feel guilt about it or not have survivor's yeah. guilt or anything like that and i see a lot of parallels with this um because part of me with the one event that we did do this year I was sitting there going, it felt really good to be back out and be on the road and, and have things set up. But then part of me is like, should we be doing this? Is this, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Not everybody's, you know, so many people have lost jobs. Can they even afford to come to the fair? Can, you know, and I think you can, you can sometimes do more damage overthinking that than just enjoying it and helping, you know, fill your cup and, and your spirit by doing yeah. what you love. That's true, especially your spirit, because you see, these times your spirit can get, you know, it starts to fade. But, you know, to get back out amongst it and being amongst what we do and what we do well is, is a great thing to really pep up the, yeah. the spirit to get it going. Yeah. Very true. So, listen, I uh, we're about out of time. I appreciate you being on the show. But before we go, everyone okay. on the show is going through uh, kind of a speed round series of questions. So, I want to ask you a handful of questions and very quickly give me your best answer. Go easy on me, please. Ready? <laughs> yeah. Favorite place you've ever traveled? Um, blah, blah, blah. I, I'm going to say San Antonio. I love that place. Really? Yeah. I, I dig San Antonio. It's a really nice city. Uh, do you have a favorite actor or actress? Um, I would say Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. What's your favorite movie with Brad Pitt? 
Uh, he's it, it just easy on the odd. Oh, don't tell me movies. It's just, he's just easy on the eye to look at. Oh, you at, just you want know? to look at him. You don't care what yeah. movies he's in. Go, go window shopping. That's All right. what I say down here. F- fair enough. What's your favorite fair food? Um, I would say cheese on the stick. Che- is that cheese on a stick? Yeah, cheese on the stick. All right. Uh, and fresh lemonade. A fresh lemon. Yeah, there's something about the lemonade you get at the fair that's you just can't get it anywhere else. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's special sugar they use. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> if I were to open your music app on your phone, what song would it say has been played the most? Tennessee Whiskey. That's a great song. It's my all-time favorite song. It's actually my ringtone. Is it really? Yes, it is. That is a fantastic, good pick, Linnell. Bravo on that one. <laughs> Uh, and finally, when you travel, what is one thing that you absolutely must have with you at all times and you can't say passport? Ooh, um, my Kindle. Your Kindle. And, yeah. a back, and a backup battery for it? Yes, that is correct. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Linnell, listen, I'm sad we won't be able to see each other in San Antonio this year, uh, but Sarah and I are wishing you and your team in Sydney uh, good health and success. And we really hope you get your 21 show in and everything goes well. Thank you. And thank you so much. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to miss, you know, with IFE was going ahead and we couldn't travel. I was, I was suffering bad FOMO, you know, fear of missing out kind of thing. And, right. and it's kind of like, oh, I'm going to join everything through, through Zoom. Um, but, you know, I, I miss catching up with everybody. Um, you know, it's, um, yeah, so I wish everybody luck. Um, be strong, everybody. Um, if you need someone to talk to, as I said, I'm on the other side of the world, so yeah, I'm 13 hours ahead of you. So if you if you need to need to shoot the breeze, um, I'm a good listener. And where can um, where can people find you there? Are you on Facebook? Where can they get a hold of you if they need to have a good listener in Sydney? Uh, yeah, on Facebook. Um, I'm I'm on LinkedIn, so it's just you know um, Linnell Smith. So you'll find me. Um, you'll see my little portrait photo with fair strong so reach out um or you can get hold of me through my email and let me know when you want you know if you want to chat i can easily hook in no problem at all awesome linnell thank you so much for being on the show today really appreciate you having you with us thank you robin and love to sarah and little nate i'm going to miss me i was looking forward to showing nate around here but um yeah next time yeah he'll make it sometime thanks linnell yeah thank you You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Fair Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com.